Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. How are we doing? What's up? I am so excited to be doing church with you all and not preaching to a glass lens in my living room. Come on, somebody. Who's ready to go? Yeah, toot your horn, flash your light, something. Oh, come on, somebody. Okay, okay, okay. We got we to gotta squelch that before it gets just crazy. Um, hey, this would normally be an all-in Sunday. Normally, if this was just a regular Sunday, if coronavirus didn't happen, we'd all be in that room, all few hundred of us gathered together, be doing the exact same things. Lifting up Jesus' names, we'd be celebrating some traditions that we have going on. We'd be celebrating some milestones that are going on. So we're going we're gonna to do that still before I jump into the message that I have for this morning. And so the first thing that I want to do is I want to bring up Bob and Diana Montgomery. Now some of you may or may not know Bob or Diana Montgomery, but you need to know Bob has been here, I mean, every Sunday. He shows up before most of us do. He's cleaning. He's getting things ready. He's serving the church, and Bob is officially... Uh, retiring, although I don't think you won't see him anymore. He's not going to be as present. And then for Diana, she if you've ever gotten a meal, if you just had a baby and you got a meal delivered, if you came out of the hospital and got a meal delivered, Diana has served on our, our hospitality team to help orchestrate and coordinate all those meals. And both of them are stepping into a new season of life where they're going to be taking less of a load here at the church. But before they did that, we wanted to honor them. We wanted to pray for them. Yeah, show them some love. Now, Bob and Diane, I, I can't see you anymore, but I know you're down there. I'm going to pray for you. And church, if you would, uh, what we like to do at Good Shepherd is we just like to extend our hand as a sign of agreement, um, as a sign of blessing. And so we're going to pray for them as they enter into this new chapter. If you would, just extend your hand agreeing with the prayer that I'm praying for them. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for Bob. Lord, I think over the last few years that I've worked here, I think Bob's maybe logged more hours than I have some weeks. Uh, he's always here, always cleaning and uh, he always is cracking jokes. He's a funny guy. You wouldn't know it by how quiet he is, but he, he is, uh, it's always so good to see Bob. Bob, I pray that you wouldn't lose that joyous, that fun uh, spirit that's in you as you step into this next season of life. And uh, we are thankful. We are thankful for you. We are grateful for you. We love you. Diana, I thank you so much for all the, the countless meals that your coordination helps send out to this church family over the years. Um, God, we recognize just the blessing that these two have been, uh, Diana working check-in so many weeks. I, they're just uh, such a presence here at Good Shepherd Church. In fact, uh, uh, looking at a home video from like 20 years ago, who was at the soundboard but Bob Montgomery, somebody. Come on. So, Lord, we thank you for them. We love them. We pray a blessing over this next chapter of their lives. We love them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. Wherever they are, they might just stay there. I don't know. I can't really see. I can see all you, but I can't see them. Oh, there we go. Yes. Hey, show them some love one more time. One more time. Hey, the, the next thing that we would normally be doing at this particular All-In Sunday with graduation just happening, we want to invite all of our 2020 graduates up. And that's if you graduated high school, if you graduated college, if you just graduated trade school, we'd like to bring you up. And I want you just to stand right up here for me. Come on up. 
not preschool, <laughs> just high school, college, trade school. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. We just want to bring you guys up. Hey, listen, as you're coming up, this season was unique. Can we all agree? Graduates did not get the last semester of their senior year of high school, something that almost none of us can relate with. Uh, that experience is amazing. That experience should be fun. And you guys had that time with friends and with, uh, with your high school classmates kind of taken from you. Stand, stay, will you stand kind of here where I can see each of you? Some of you may know, like, I, I, I transitioned to become the lead pastor January 1st, but before that I was the youth pastor. So a lot of these kids are my students that I had for years. And so, hey, would you guys, hey, quit looking at them. Look at me for a sec. <laughs> I love you guys. And I, I, I firmly believe, I just want to speak a blessing over you uh, because I, as unique as this season was and as crazy and as maybe frustrating and as difficult, I'm sure this season has been, not getting to experience your last semester of high school, um, I believe that God knew specifically each and every one of you were going to be placed in your school for such a time as this. It was no accident that this happened while you were seniors. This happened for a reason and so that you could carry his light, his glory into it wherever you go. I look down this line, I know each one of you, and I'm just so grateful for the impact that you're going to carry into this next season of your life. Wherever you're going to school next year, wherever you, whatever you're doing next year, no matter what season of life you find yourself in next, just know that God has placed you. You're not there by accident. He has gifted you, he's equipped you, and he will sustain you as you keep going. And you can, now you can turn around, you can look at all these people, and I know you didn't get a regular high school graduation, but you look at your church family right now, and church, every single one of you, we're with them, are we not? We're behind them, we're praying for them, we're covering them. So, hey, I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to send you back to your cars. I love you, though. You guys are so special, so awesome. Lord, I thank you for Tanner, for Alex, for Hallie, for Jordan, for Hayes, for Sarah, for Alicia, and for Santi. God, I just pray a blessing over each one of their lives. Such special and unique kids, all with different stories, all with different paths, God. But the similarity that they all share is they all are known by you. They're loved by you. They're chosen by you. They're placed by you, God. And I pray that that would be something that defines them and carry, they carry with them wherever they go in this next season of life. Whether it's college, no matter what they are facing, whenever, no matter what somewhat uh, unshakable obstacle they find themselves confronted with, God, I pray that they would know they have the God of angel armies by their side, that you are with them, you are for them, Jesus. We love them, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, church. Everybody said amen. amen. Show them some love. Honk your horns. You guys can go back and have a seat. So, listen, next week, we're back in the building. Anybody excited about that? We're coming back in the building, and I know there's questions. I know there's, there, you guys are wondering what those details will look like. I want to invite all of you to especially pay attention to this Wednesday's midweek update. We'll give you all the details. I'll tell you what everything's going to look like coming into those services starting next weekend. So, man, if you're in this parking lot today, I hope you're fired up to get into church because I can't wait to get back in there. It's not necessary that the people of God meet in a building because church is not about a building. It's about a people. We know that. And the church never closed, so we're not reopening. We're just getting back inside. Amen? And so we're going back in. But before we go back in, I felt like God laid on my heart the story of Joshua. And before Joshua and the Israelites inherited the promised land, if you remember, they crossed over the Jordan River and they stopped. And before they took any ground, before they went into what belonged to them, they stopped and they built something. They put something on the ground. They put their 12 stones and they made a monument. They made an altar for the Lord there to remember and to reflect on what he had done in that season in the wilderness. And so I just want to remind you that I think today's message, I think what we're doing here in this parking lot today, I think it has, 
It's so much more than just a fun moment where we get to gather in the parking lot, even though this is pretty fun. And we might do this again sometime, even without coronavirus. We might just have some fun with it and let kids sit on roofs and stuff like that because it is fun. But it's pivotal. And I believe this is a defining moment for our church that before we ever go back into our building, I want us to carry something with us. And that's what I want to talk about today. And, and just like that monument that the Israelites built, it was to remind not just them, but it was to remind generations to come what the Lord had done and where the Lord had brought them. And so, man, before we go back in the building, I'm not just interested in building something in this next season. And I don't think Kent was ever interested in just building something for his season. I think what we're interested in doing is we're interested in building something for generations and generations to come. And they can turn back and they can look at it and they can say, man, what did you put down? What was it that was there? And we can turn back and we can see this is what God had placed for us to reflect on and to remember and to not let go of before we step back in to anything that God would have for us in the future. And so um, before, we, before we jump all the way into the message, I do just want to take a moment because I think it's appropriate to address all the uh, protesting and all of the things that have happened uh, after the death of George Floyd, after the murder of George Floyd. And there's protesting now and there's ensuing violence that's going on. I think we as a church have to stop for a moment. We have to talk about it before I jump into the message today. And, and what I want you all to consider, what's been on my heart this week, is that not one of those protesters grew up with the dream of lighting buildings on fire and, and rioting and protesting in the streets. There's something about the sinfulness and brokenness and darkness of this world that allows racism to exist in our country. We have roots of it going all the way back to the very beginning, and it still exists today. And, and while we would never condone the response of violence to violence, I think we, as like, what has been on my heart, as a white person with mostly white friends surrounded by a lot of white people, is that, man, you know what, I, don't, I don't, may not agree with what's happening right now, but at least... It, I think our first response and our first call as a church is to rather than be critical and to rather question why people are doing things, we should at least, at the very least, we need to first pray. And we need to pray. And Franklin Graham, maybe you've seen it, he's asked all the churches to pray for our nation, and we're going to do that in just a sec. I want to pray for not just the, what's happening and the violence. I want to not pray just for the, the peace officers that are, that are now trying to enforce all of this, because it's crazy. But rather than things get so political and divide us, we need not to forget that the church is meant to be prophetic and to speak truth over things. And, and I just, I want to challenge all of us. Um, if we don't change things in here first, we're never going to change things out there. And so our first call needs to be sorrow and lament for what's happening, not criticalness and quick little hashtags on social media. We need to consider what's happening right now. We need to go, okay, God, what, what would you have me do? And, and I've considered stopping everything and changing and rewriting my whole message on Friday night and just going, no, we need to just address the gospel in light of racial prejudice and racism. And we need to just talk about this as a church. But Kent did that last week. If you were watching our Ephesians series, Kent preached literally on how the gospel doesn't just uh, give us a little bit of advice on how to deal with racism and racial prejudices that exist. It speaks directly to it. And so if you didn't catch that message, go back and listen to it. If you need, if let the Holy Spirit do the painful work of conviction, if there's anything in your heart that's wrong. And parents, talk about this with your children. Don't let this be a topic that just gets bypassed, that we forget about. But talk about it with your kids in an age-appropriate way. And then live out Christ-like love, first to your spouse, then to your kids, to your family, to your church family, and then to the world. That's what our call is to do. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Because I... I 
I mean, it's obvious. This is, a, this is not just a physical battle, right? There's spiritual things going on here. There's an evil that's going on here that we need to call out, we need to pray for, and we need to beg the Lord to show up in this situation. So if you would, all just pray with me real quick. Oh, Jesus, we just ask that you would, would you come and would you show us our key role in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, God, how we can share the gospel and how we can speak truth to what's happening right now. That before we get angry, before we get caught up in, in being critical or asking questions, God, would we first just pause and ask if there's something that you want to show us right now in this season? pray for every heart in this parking lot right now that we would continue as a church to take the posture of Jesus ultimately shows us that there is oneness in Christ. That yes, there are, there are economical divisions among us. There are political divisions among us. There are racial and eth ethnical divisions among us, God, but primarily we are sons and daughters of yours. That's our first and foremost place of identity, Jesus. And so we ask that you would help us see, help us to um, speak truth into situations. God, I pray for every, every officer that's putting on a uniform this morning to go at it for another day of rioting. And God, I just had this picture in my head this morning as, we were, as I was praying about this of dads and moms putting on that badge, kissing their daughter, kissing their sons, kissing their spouse, saying goodbye. And I'm just so deeply grateful for the men and women who stand in righteousness to protect my family, to protect my church family, to protect the liberties that we all get to enjoy in this country, Jesus. I pray that you would protect them. Would you fill them up with your truth? Would you fill them, would you sustain them through this tough season, God? We pray for every person that is just, that is wondering right now, that is searching right now, that is seeking justice right now, God, would, would the God of justice show up? And would you reveal yourself to them, God? Would you speak to us? Jesus, we need you, we need you, we need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen? Hey, so uh, if you were paying attention a few weeks back, we were in the I Am series. And in the I Am series, we talked about the seven I Am statements found in the Gospel of John. And in that series, I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you cared, I skipped I Am the Good Shepherd. We skipped it. We just didn't even do it. And I felt like the reason we were supposed to do that is because I Am the Good Shepherd, when Jesus speaks that, he's not just declaring something about who he is, he's also informing something about who we are. Because this is Good Shepherd Church. That's, we, have, we have decided that we are going to be a people in desperate pursuit of the Good Shepherd. It's not just something Jesus says he is. It's something who we say we are as well. And so I wanted to take a moment. to. Un, I, said, I just had this feeling, man, this message is meant to be when we're all gathered together. We're going to talk about how Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And, and, and so let's read it. If you got your Bible, maybe you got your phone with you, you're in your car. We're going to read in John chapter 10. Starting in verse 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is not a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the good sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And so we're going to talk about our good shepherd this morning. 
how he's not a thief. He's not a hired hand who was just there to help when, when things were easy, but he's the good shepherd who proves his staying power by laying down his life in the perfect sacrifice for us. So we, like, the truth is, is that God is not just like some far off distant God. He uses these pictures. He pulls it down to earth for us. And he says, you know who I also am? I am the good shepherd. I'm the protector of the sheep. I care for the sheep. Uh, like intrinsically woven into the nature of a shepherd is someone who seeks to see the sheep thrive. He seeks to see the, see the sheep living to the fullest pot. Like he has to move them around. He has to keep them safe. He has to lead them to greener pastures and lead them beside still waters. And he cares for them. He cares for to see them grow and to see them nourished and to see them healthy. So that's who Jesus is saying he is. He's saying, I'm not just distant and far off. I'm, I'm involved in the sheep's life. I am the good shepherd. I'm near. I'm present. And, I, you know, he defines his love by saying, I loved him so much. I loved each one of the people in this parking lot so much that I was willing to pay the ultimate price. He's willing to lay down his own life. That even though he stepped out of heaven, lived a perfect life, and he who knew no sin became sin so that he might pay the punishment for our sin, our past sin, our current sin, and our future sin forevermore so that we might know him. We might know his voice. We might hear him and we might come into relationship with him. And, and what God's saying in saying that he's the good shepherd, in a way, he's saying that he's behind us. He's behind us. He's for us. He's for us. He's for our health. He's for our thriving. He's, he's got our back. And I was thinking this week, you know, there's a couple of feelings that can happen when you have somebody behind you. There's a couple different, like, emotions that can elicit when you have somebody behind you. During, during quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it this time, those are probably both a bit dramatic, um, my, my son has actually gotten a lot better at riding his bike. It's one of the silver linings, right? I think life, sometimes you got to just find the silver linings in life. So Harrison has really like grown in his confidence in riding his bike. And so, man, we're kind of in a new season of life where we can just, as a family, we can pack up and we can go on a bike ride. Haven's adorable. She sits right behind me in like her little basket. And then Harper and Harrison ride their bikes. And then usually like, you know, when you go on a family bike ride, you kind of have like a kid sandwich. One parent's out in front leading the way, showing everyone where to go. And the other kid is in, or the other parents in the back behind the kids yelling at them, telling them they're not going fast enough to quit complaining, to stay on the track, to get on the right side of the path. Don't veer off into the ditch or into the road. Right? You know, like it's much more stressful for the parents in back. Can we all agree? And, and uh, recently we were on a bike ride going downtown. And, and I, I, was, I was maybe kind of messing with Harrison a little bit, but I just kind of, I kept getting closer to him. I was right behind him, you know, and I kept getting a little closer. And as he's pedaling along, you know, he's kind of just trucking along, and he keeps frantically, like, looking back, and finally just goes, ah, Dad, you're too close. You need to back up, Dad. And, right, like, that's kind of a feeling. You think about it in traffic. If somebody's too close, you can get mad. But if you're in a caravan, it feels different. There's a couple different ways that it can feel when somebody's behind you. And for Harrison, he hates having somebody behind him in the bike. It feels like he's, makes him feel like he's not going fast enough. That, like if he messes up, I don't know if he just thinks I'm going to run him over or what he thinks my end goal is here, but he's afraid. And I think that's a way that so many believers can live their life. They can have this picture of God being behind them with this furrowed brow on, on a big bike with like a blade on the front of it. And he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can just mow you down. And it's this distorted picture that we can have of God that we're convinced we're never growing fast enough. We're never doing good enough. We're never, we're never there. He's, he's not, he can't pass me before us. He's kind of agitated with how well we're not doing. And it's this distorted view of God that doesn't lead you to the most abundant life that Jesus is talking about in this moment. It's crippling your faith. 
you have this perception of God, and he's just upset, and he's got his arms folded from heaven. He's looking down at you, and he's saying, are you kidding? This is all, this is it? This is all you got? This is all you're doing for me right now in this season? I think everyone has a tendency at some time or another to look at God in that way, to go, and to misunderstand who he really is. See, because it's not just, it's a distorted view. It's not who he really is. And until you can embrace the fact that God loves you so much to lay his life down for you as the good shepherd, it'll change the way you feel about him being behind you. It'll change the way about him, uh, having, you feel about him having your back. So I'm going to let my inner nerd show here for just a sec, okay? Uh, you know that moment in Avengers Endgame when Captain America is like totally beat up by Thanos and his shield's broken and he's like on the ground and he's about dead? You maybe don't. There's like six of you that know what I'm talking about right now, but I'll, I'll explain and so he's down on the ground, and, you know, like Captain America, he represents everything that's good about this country. And he stands up, even though he's got no chance. He's like, it's not just Thanos now that's in front of him. It's the whole army of people in front of him, all the evil, bad, nasty guys. But he straps that busted shield back on. He's ready to go. And, and the, uh, the next moment's so fun, right, because uh, Falcon says, Cap, on your left. And this portal starts to open. It's one of just, like, hundreds of portals. And this whole army ends up being behind him. And what happens when Captain America, that feeling when somebody has your back in that way, it then sends him into the battle fearlessly. That's how we're supposed to live our Christian life, where we just charge forward knowing that the good shepherd has our back. He has a rod and he has a staff, Psalm 23. And these things are meant to bring comfort to us. Why? Because our shepherd's powerful. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And he's for you. He's with you. He's gone in front of you. He knows what you're going to encounter. He's equipping you. He's sustaining you through the fight. And that should, rather than let you have this faith of timidity and caution, fearing what he's going to do behind you, it should lead to this empowerment that pushes you forward. This faith that's authentic, that sends you out into the world. Man, like, there's so many different, we've been, we've been reading Psalm 91 so much in this season, right? It was super popular towards the beginning of all this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, and he will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will deliver. He will cover. You won't fear because the Lord is your dwelling place. Church, can I tell you something? Like, truthfully, this, uh, this message was never about you and I staying safe. This message has always been about our security, our security that's eternal, that's found in Christ alone, but it's never been about your safety. If he, he who loses his life will find it again. God makes no promises about our safety. He makes absolute guarantees, though, about our security in heaven. And so as you carry that with you, shouldn't that change the way you see the world? Shouldn't that, shouldn't that like, take you into a different place as you go forward in this world? It's no, it's no mystery right now. It's no question that I think we can look at the world and we, look, we can look at the, the fear that's gripping people because of coronavirus. We can, look at the, we can look at the racial tension and the division that's happening there. We can look at the political spectrum that seems to be dividing our country further and further apart. And you can either, you can either say to yourself, God, what is this world coming to? Or I think a much more uh, productive prayer would be, God, where would you have me go? God, where would you send me? And, and as we have that covering, as he has our back, he's with us, he's going to go, he's, he's there for us, he's already called us into a place. That, that, should, that should elicit something in you that you can go forward with boldness. Hey, like God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but of power 
and of love and of discipline, of self-control, to go forward and to press in knowing that you're not carrying your victory. It's never been about your strength or what you can do to impress people as you go forward. It's always been about who you're representing as you're going forward. That you get to literally put on the victory of Christ as you walk out into this world. And you can't tell me the world doesn't need to see it right now. And I think the question in a message like this is you go, you go okay, God, all right, I'm in. Like, I'll, I'll go boldly wherever you want me to go. I know that you're with me. I know that you'll sustain me. What would you have me do? Where would you send me? And can I give you a hint real quick? You're already there. You're already in the place you're supposed to be. Parents, like, do you know the unique and wonderful privilege you have with your children to make disciples in your own home first? Like fathers, you get to selflessly demonstrate what the love of Christ looks like to your spouse, to your kids, and then out to the world. Like, I think Christianity in some ways has been sold as this, man, make sure the people around you are comfortable and make sure they're like okay with the faith that you're living. And so that's why you have people who convince themselves, really, I probably shouldn't share my faith with my neighbor until we're like into a 20-year relationship and there's enough safe space in this relationship where then I can finally tell them about Christ and tell them about what I believe. And, and then they'll ultimately just move away and, and, oh, right before they move, then I can tell them. Or we tell ourselves, you know what, I really probably shouldn't stir the pot at work. I don't want to be that weird guy. I don't want to be that guy who makes everyone feel uncomfortable, so I'm just going to play it safe. It's never been about being safe, and honestly, it's not what faith has ever looked like to me in this book. The people who fill this book aren't, aren't perfect people. They're sent people who know that they have the God of the universe behind them, supporting them, covering them, empowering them, sustaining them to go wherever they would go. So, man, before you just get this idea, like, okay, I want to go change the world, Start in your heart. Like, have you heard the saying, revival starts in hearts? I think everyone right now is begging for revival. They're saying, man, okay, what, what do we got to do? God, would you, just, would you send revival to our country? Amen. I would love to see revival. Do you know where it starts? It starts in your heart. It starts in your home. It starts with healthy families. It starts with healthy churches going out, carrying the light of the world into the darkness places. Like, darkness doesn't get to just exist next to me. I'm carrying the light of the world. Darkness doesn't get to exist next to you. You're carrying the light of the world. Darkness should tear. Darkness should shrink back. You are more than conquerors in Christ. Is how Paul puts it in Romans. He says you are more than conquerors in Christ. What, what are you going to be afraid of? Who do, what do you have to fear? Nothing. You have the God of the universe by your side. And, and I just wanted to talk about Jesus being our good shepherd. I wanted to establish this truth right here. Because before we ever go back into that building, I think we have to understand that God has called us in far more places than just inside there. I'm as eager as anybody to go back inside of there. Like I, I, Next week, you, just, you better be ready because it's going to go crazy. Like I'm so excited. Now, that doesn't mean that I overlook the opportunity I have with my neighbor. It doesn't mean I overlook the fights that are happening in King Supers over masks. It doesn't mean I overlook all the little angry posts on social media. But instead, I just want to say, God, where would you have me get involved? I'm not saying don't post on social media. I'm not saying don't, don't talk with people at the grocery store. I'm saying pray first, consider where God would have you get involved, and then do it. You are carrying the glory of God wherever you go. You are an ambassador to his name wherever you go. So yes, the building's awesome, but we have been placed all over this city and our city needs to know that we're here. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for this crazy moment. 
where Caden just sang on the carport, where we just did worship in a parking lot, Jesus. We get to sit out under your creation, in your beauty. We get to, we get to be loud and on the radio, and our neighbors get to listen to us, Jesus. And God, I ask in this moment for anybody who doesn't know you, who doesn't have that confidence in their life, who doesn't understand where they're going or doesn't understand where they've been sent or how, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them right now, God. That they in a moment would just say, Jesus, I, I need you. I'm at the end of what I can do in my life. God, I need you to intervene. Surely there's more to all this violence and hatred that's getting spread in real life on social media. Would you just invade, Jesus? We need you. We love you. God, let this church, let this city know this church. And let this church be filled with people who know you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We love you. Church, come on. See you next week. Let's go.